Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. I remember we used to think he's coming back soon. He didn't. He's still gonna. It's sooner than it was in the 70s. It's closer than it was in the 80s. It's, it's getting closer. And you know what? God help us to stand guard. You know what? Just dawned on me. You know how, how long it took Noah to build the ark? 120 years. It was 120 years to build this ark. And, and every year, they're going, <laughs> a flood. They probably had a little uh, laugh at Loa. No, Loa. Laugh at Noah Day celebrations. Every year they had a special day. They'd all go out in front of the ark and go, Oh, it's going to rain, everybody. And they'd stand out around with umbrellas and make fun of him. Who knows? I'm making this up. But they probably were ridiculing him year after year after year. And Noah held course and did what he was supposed to do and remained faithful and obedient to God. And in the midst of it all, it was like, Oh, he's been saying that for a hundred years now. I think that's how we are with the rapture. It's so easy to get tired and worn out of it. But oh God, help me that when you come, you catch me living for you. You catch me living right. Because that's what Jesus said in Matthew 24. He uses it as a picture of they were just living life as normal. They had no idea what was coming. And one day, it happened and it was too late to change. God help me. Back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 19. And God says, every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds of the, uh, after their kind and the animals after their kind of every creature, um, excuse me, every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind, listen, will come to you to keep them alive. I don't have to go get them. I was never, true confession, I've never been a hunter. Best I've ever done is chase butterflies with a net. I could get two butterflies, can't even guarantee one's a male, one's a female. But I tell you what, this made Noah's job a little easier, huh? They're going to come to you. It took divine, this is a divine intervention thing, right? Where the Lord just started coming, you know, Noah's building the ark, and when the time, once the room is ready, um, the butterfly cage is ready, and here they come. I don't know, you know, I, I'll want to ask for the DVD when I get there. They'll probably have it on a thumb drive. No, they'll, he'll stream it for me, okay? But I want to watch it. This is amazing. But this is what happened. And, and it goes on. Oh, shoot, where did I leave off? Uh, verse 22. 21 I didn't read. And you shall take for yourself 
all the food that is eaten, you shall gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them. That would be enough of a task for me to go shopping and bring the food into the ark and God will take care of the animals. And by the way, and I'm sure if you've ever been to the ark encounter, they'll tell you all these things. But you think, well, how does he keep them alive and clean up after them and everything? You know, um, I know some animals hibernate, right? But I know God could say, we're going to do something different for you, No, I'm going to make it easy on you. Hibernate, you know, who knows? But God can do it. He's bringing them into the ark, and I know he can take care of the rest. But I love verse 22. That's why I wanted to jump right to that. Verse 22 says this. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him. So he did. God help me. God help you. God help us to be people who, at the end of our life, they could say, and they did what God told them to do. Matter of fact, it's, it's stated again several times, but look at verse 5. And Noah did according to all that the, the excuse me, seven chapter 7, verse 5. Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Over and over again, you'll see this. God says what to do, and Noah did it. I want you to know, folks, that's what faith is. Because too many of us like to go, well, I believe God, and that's all. And then they live their life however they want. I believe God, I believe in Jesus. And you believe however you want, but you're living however you want. So faith is seen in obedience. And we're showing this here. So here's your next fill-in. Noah's faith involved the whole person. His mind was warned of God. His heart was moved with fear. His will acted on what God told him. Huh? I think I stole that phrase, this, this little paragraph from Warren Worsby. I love reading his stuff. So since nobody at the time had ever seen a flood or maybe even a rainstorm, Noah's actions probably got a lot of ridicule, like I said, and, and interest of nothing else. People were looking at him. Matter of fact, I've heard some pastors develop a whole thing that there's no way that Noah and his three sons could have built such a monstrosity of an ark by himself because somebody had to cut the trees, somebody had to know how to plank the boards and all, this, all the work for me. You better just build it for me because if you tell me to build an ark, I better hire someone because I, if you know me, I'm the break it man, not the fix it man, okay? And, and so I don't know about Noah because what we know of him is he's a farmer, but now he's told to be a carpenter, told to be, and, and, and build a building. So I've heard people develop, and there's all kinds of theories, but this makes sense to me, that you'd have to get someone to help you with cutting the trees down and, and cutting the boards, uh, the trees into boards, and you'd have to have someone transport the trees. This is a, quite an undertaking. The thing is, there's a lot of people involved, and I believe this is true, but they didn't get on the boat. It kind of reminded me of what probably happens in the average church. A lot of people are doing something. Some people make a donation. Some people offer to help out with child care. They offer to help do this, pass out bulletins or whatever. I'm not picking on anybody. Thank you for passing out bulletins. But in Noah's day, there were probably a lot of helpers. This is a tough job for four men, right? There's probably a lot of helpers. Where were they? Where, why didn't they get on the boat? God help us that, that the church of Jesus Christ today would be an ark that saves many. Not just people, well, I visited there once and I made a donation once or I volunteered to do this. Or I, oh, man, get on the boat. Get into Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Have I ever told you that? It's not all about Calvary Chapel. It's not all about this church. There's many good churches. It's all about Jesus. And if you get all involved in church and volunteer and do this, that, and the other thing, 
but you don't get on the boat, get in Christ, you're wasting your time. You're going to regret it, okay? So that was kind of interesting, though I don't, sometimes you're reading between the lines with this stuff. But Noah's faith influenced, did he influence these people? I don't know, but I'll tell you who, what Noah's faith did influence. His family. His sons and their wives got on the boat, and his wife, of course, and so there were eight people on the boat. If you're here today, you're a descendant of Noah and his family. That's it. So eight people got on the boat, and, you know, I, I think that's the least that we can do is make sure we influence our family. I know many of you think, well, you know, I'm not an evangelist, and I can only do so much, and I don't, I, I'm not a preacher, and I don't want to offend anybody, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. You better make sure you're influencing your family. You better make sure when it starts to rain, your family's on that boat when that door goes, <laughs> shuts, right? And so, by the way, this Wednesday, we're going to start an evangelism series on Wednesday night. We're not going to send you out with a bullhorn and a sandwich board, Okay. It's how do we develop the right attitude even to share our faith with people? Have you ever struggled with sharing your faith? Um, this will at least give you creative ways, fun ways, even motivation to share your faith. And it's Ray Comfort. I talked a lot about Ray because he's a personal friend of mine. And, and so we're going to go through his series on, is it the master's way of evangelism? Uh, the way of the master. Uh, and so he's, his video series, and we're going to learn. How can I be more involved? How can I share my faith? And what are, how do I get over some of the roadblocks that stop me? So even if you don't ever want to go on the street, street preaching, come out Wednesday night. We're going to just kind of, hopefully, we want to become more of the kind of people that Noah was. Even though he didn't get a whole bunch of people, he got his family on board, okay? So we just want to make sure we bring our kids and our grandkids with us if we can, right? Okay, so Noah's actions also, if you look in verse 7 of Hebrews 11, it says that he condemned the world. Now, there's no record of him standing up there and saying, you're not going to die. You're going to hell. You know, I don't think that's what it means that he condemned the world. I think his righteous living and his righteous obedience was a condemnation on their refusal to listen, refusal to repent, and refusal to get on the boat. And it, so it, it condemned the world. Because for one thing, everything he believed in, it was proven to be true when it started to rain, right? So here's your next fill-in. Jesus used Noah's story, which I just read you in Matthew 24, to warn people to be ready for his return. See, I don't want you to miss that. I could have just left it at that when we looked at Matthew 24. It's nice looking at stories of Noah's Ark and looking back there. Makes a great Sunday school lesson. But you and I need to be ready for Jesus' return. Huh? I, I, you know what? I'll tell you something. The older I get, the more, the more I get tired. I just want to, I want a vacation. I want to play. I want to play with my grandkids. And I got to go get up. Matter of fact, the Lord has just recently stirred me back up again. Stirred me back up again. Says, Mike, I've called you to do something. And I'm, I'm going to begin stepping it up again and discipling the men of this church. You'll hear more about it as I develop it. But the Lord's been really kicking me in the behind and stirring me up and saying, you can, you're here on this earth for a reason. I want you to do it. And so I'm going to be, uh, will you be, just be listening for it, to, to, to prepare 
especially the men of this church I want to be discipling to be leaders, deacons, elders, maybe pastors in the future. Lord, what do you have for me? We want to be, be busy occupying until he comes. So the Apostle Peter also used Noah's Ark story in a list of catastrophes as an example of how God preserves the righteous in the midst of destroying the wicked. Listen to um, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in the gloomy pits of darkness where they're being held for the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world, here it is, except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah and he destroyed the world of the ungodly people with a vast flood. You know what? How do we know that story is true? Well, for one thing, Jesus believed that was true. This is Jesus. Oh, this is Peter speaking here. But Jesus referred to it in Matthew 24. Peter refers to it in this text. It's like, you know, it, it's a real story. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 9 where Peter writes, So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the final judgment. It's coming, folks. And you go, well, I've been hearing this forever. So don't stop listening. It took 120 years for, for the boat to be finished. And so I'm, I want to be hanging in there. Let's go back now to Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to finish up here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse uh, 7 again, says that he was warned of things not seen. All that means is he'd never heard of rain. He'd never seen a flood. He'd never seen a world cataclysm. He'd never built a boat. I mean, this is all new to him. And, and, and God often asks us to believe him and act accordingly in spite of if we've never seen that or never, never heard of that before. You know, the rapture is one of those things. The coming judgment, heaven, hell. I mean, there's all kinds of things that God expects us to, to believe him and act accordingly even though we've never seen it. So Moses is a good example of that. Your next fill-in is this. Faith is believing and trusting that God fully understands what we could never comprehend. I'll say it again. Faith is believing and trusting that God fully understands what we could never comprehend. There's an old saying that we used to say, and I, every now and then you'll hear me say it, God is God and I am not. It's a good motto. It's a good saying that we need to know. Now, don't miss the motivation for Noah in verse 7. It says that he was moved with godly fear. That's good motivation. That I, I'm going to stand before God one day. Matter of fact, all my years of ministry, when I'm faced with decisions and choices, how I'm going to treat people, how I'm going to respond to situations, I, I go, Oof, I'm going to stand before God one day. I want to keep in mind... Well, how will I feel if he treats me the way I treat this person? Okay, I'm going to treat them right because I want you to treat me right. How will he treat me if I live in sin or rebellion or, or live after the flesh? I'm going to stand before God one day. I want to be motivated from godly fear. And godly fear is a good thing. All throughout the scripture, at least 27 times in the authorized version, says um, the, the phrase, the fear of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs 16.6 In mercy and truth atonement is provided for iniquity and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. Do you think people depart from evil just because 
Okay, you said not to do it. I won't do it. It's fear of the Lord. I have to give an account of my life to Him. I'm going to stand, I'm going to reap what I've sown. Those of you who've tried to diet know how that works. <laughs> There's that donut sitting in front of you in the cafeteria this morning. You're going, I'm going to reap what I've sown. We all have in lesser ways, but I'll tell you what, the greatest, the greatest application is the fear of the Lord. Finally, in verse 7, because that's all we're covering today, we get the main point of what the Holy Spirit wants us to get. He says, the righteousness which is according to faith. Folks, I really want you to get this, that the only way anybody is ever righteous is according to faith. Now I'm realizing as I'm looking at the clock, I've got way more scriptures to, to share yet than I've got time. So I'm going to skip some things. So Amber, pay attention because I might skip a few things, okay? Uh, but let's just, mm, where do I begin? Oh Lord, there's so much. The righteousness which is according to faith that Paul wrote about in, in Romans chapter 3 verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Skip to verse 24. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Verse 25, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Look at the end of verse 26. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just when he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. This does not seem fair to me. You, this guy who's been rotten all his life, he just trusts in Jesus Christ and puts his faith in him to be saved and he gets saved. That's that right. Well then, how am I going to stand? How am I going to get in? Because all of sin that falls short of the glory of God. We're all guilty. He may have done more than me or worse than me, but I'm just as guilty as hell. I'm just as guilty to deserve hell. And if, if it's not fair for him, then it's not fair for me. It's not fair for anybody, but I'm glad it's not fair because God made a way that I could be saved by grace through faith. Not because that's fair. You know what's fair? If God sent me to hell, that would be fair. But thank God I don't get what I deserve. Okay? That's why Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why a verse you may have never heard before, 2 Corinthians 5.21, says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's the divine swap. It's not fair. But it's the only way to get in. The divine swap, Jesus took my sins, he was punished for my sins, and treated the way I deserve to be treated, so that when I put my trust in him, when I have faith in him, he gives me his righteousness. It treats me the way Jesus deserves to be treated. And when I stand before God now, I stand as righteous. Not because I am righteous in my own, but because Christ swapped my sins for his righteousness. Now, that's a hard concept. And you know what? I'm just going to go a few minutes over. Because these next couple verses, you got to hear them. Because the Apostle Paul, he was, he was strictest 
observer of the, of the Jewish law, of the law of Moses. He was a Pharisee, kept everything just perfect, more, as perfect as anybody could. And you know what the Apostle Paul said when he got saved? Looking back on all of his pedigrees and all of his degrees and all of his achievements in Judaism. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. My degrees, my writings, my fame, my achievements, trash, rubbish. Listen to this, he didn't stop there. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. That's more important than anything else. Your credentials and your achievements. He listened to this. This is, a, this is further ex- explanation of 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, <clears throat> Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. I don't know about you, but I need to hear this over and over again because I'm a little thick, okay? And I was raised in a denomination that made me always feel bad that I need to be doing better and I'm never doing enough. And, and I just finally had to get to the point when I read my Bible. It's true. I'm never going to do enough. But Jesus did it all. Amen. And the only way I'm getting in is the divine swap. As Paul says, not having a righteousness of my own. When I stand before God, it's not going to be my righteousness that gets me into heaven. It's going to be Christ's righteousness in me, the divine swap. And if you think you're going to go to heaven because you keep the rules, you jump through all the hoops, you do everything right, and you feel you're righteous, you're in trouble. And you think, well, how could you say that? Well, let me read one more verse to you. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 5. They were tempted to, these were Gentiles who were under pressure that in order to be a Christian, I've got to become a Jew first and I need to go get circumcised and I need to, to uh, go through all of the washings of the Jewish uh, and all the sacrifices and I've got to go back to all that and, and, and I'm a Gentile but I need to become a Jew. And you know what Paul said to them? You've become estranged from Christ. You attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. You accept Jesus only by Christ alone, and now you think, oh, wait, it's Jesus plus. You do that, and and so Paul says, you've fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. That's it. That's the Christian religion summed up in a nutshell. It's faith in Christ, and now because we have faith in Christ, we live the life of love and obedience, living for Him. Now, good thing I didn't end early, because you have one more fill-in. You're going to wonder what it said, right? One more fill-in. Where would we be if Noah did not demonstrate obedience of faith? Oh, boy. Can you imagine? That would be it. We wouldn't be having church this morning if Moses didn't demonstrate the obedience of faith. One more question to think about. And in your small groups, you'll talk about it further. Where would we be if he didn't endure the 120-year process? Anywhere along the line, it would be tempted to give up. 
God, now I know you told me to build this boat, but we've been chopping trees now for five years, and we don't have anywhere near enough trees to do what we need to do. I don't know how we're going to get, I don't know anything about animals anyway, and I hate cleaning up the mess, you know, and God, you know, could go on and on and finally go, you know what, this just is not possible. I know the devil has done that to each and every one of you at one point or another in your life, and you go, man, I've been trying to live this Christian life. It's just not possible. Well, you're somewhat right. That's why you need Jesus. That's why we need the grace of God and we, and we attain our righteousness through faith in Him, the divine swap. That's the only way anybody gets to heaven. Sorry I kept you four minutes over. We're going to pray. Father, we bow before you. Thank you for this lesson of Noah. Lord, there's so much in just the life of Noah and we just scratched the surface. But Lord, I'm going to lift up my brothers and sisters here this morning and I pray, help us, Lord God, Help us to follow that example of Noah. That we will believe you and that we will act accordingly in our lives. And that even when what we read in our Bible or what we know you want us to do is against common sense or against culture, against science, against politics, Lord, we want to live for you. Help us, Father. Lord, I pray you give grace and strength to each one of us that we would also have the endurance of faith that we won't give up along the way and just go, you know... I tried it for a while and it's too hard. Lord, Jesus, I'm grateful that you're the ark. We don't have to build it. It's already built. We don't have to do it. It's already done. We don't have to work. You've already done the work. Lord, I'm grateful. And so we look to you, Jesus. And right now, would you just whisper a prayer to Jesus and let him know, I trust you. Lord, give me grace to hear your word and obey it. And if you've never received Christ, you've never got on the ark, maybe you're listening on the radio or you're live streaming or you're right here in the sanctuary right now, would you just call out on his name? The Bible says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He died for you. He paid your price. Won't you accept that divine swap? The only way in is through Christ. He's the ark. We look to him. Would you just call on him today and just say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you're the Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I put my trust in you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I trust in what you say. Help me now to live it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's let's close in this song together. Jesus, he's the resurrection, the we hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday Morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah.
the power of his name.